not only here next week, but praying for the choir as they do their final preparations. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we um, count it such a privilege and joy to be here with you tonight, to be invited into the presence of the King, to fellowship with Him, to sit at His feet and hear not the voice of a man, but to hear His voice through His inspired and infallible and perfect Word. We thank You for every time that we have like this to gather together, and we pray that You would bless us as we Consider some thoughts tonight. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been thinking for a number of messages, I think it's maybe 14 or so, about the implication of the words of the Lord Jesus in John chapter 8, where he said in verses 31 and 32, If ye continue in my word, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And what we've been doing is thinking about how this nation, because we have not continued in the Word of God, the King James Bible, we no longer know the truth. And because we have turned away our ears from the truth, America is following cunningly devised fables. Last week we began talking about the cunningly devised fable of transgenderism. And we want to conclude our thoughts on that tonight. Genesis 1.27 makes it plain for all time that God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And any attempt to try to change God's natural order will end in disaster. As Dr. Paul McHugh, an expert on the subject, described it. He said, transgendered men do not become women, nor do transgendered women become men. All become feminized men or masculinized women, counterfeits or impersonators of the sex with, with which they identify. And over and above that, as accurate a statement as that is, God tells us that it is an abomination to him. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 22, if you will. Deuteronomy chapter 22. We did not have time to get to this verse last week, but it is a critical verse. Deuteronomy 22 and verse 5, The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man. Neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do, for all that do so are an abomination unto the Lord thy God. This verse condemns transvestism. That's the practice of wearing the clothes of the opposite sex. 
that was made popular or at least legitimized and brought to the fore in the minds of the people of this country by a character on the TV show MASH. That show ran from 1972 to 1983. And it portrayed life in the Mobile Army Surgical Hospital, which is MASH. It portrayed life there during the Korean War. Corporal Max Klinger was played by an actor, Jamie Farr. He was a corporal who dressed as a woman. And he did that because he wanted to be declared unfit to serve in the military, and he would be discharged and sent home. Folks, the devil is so smart. We underestimate him. Kent used to say he's the second most powerful mind in the universe. And he's exactly right. He has used Hollywood to do incredible things in this country and not good things. Think about how we ended up with all of the filthy and vulgar language that is on many television programs, that's in many, many movies. Think about how we got there. Pressure on the censors. In 1939, to allow one word, one word in the closing line of uh, the closing scene, rather, of one of the most famous movies in American history, Gone with the Wind. And Rhett Butler says to Scarlett O'Hara, as they prepare, she says, what am I going to do? He says, frankly, my dear, I do not give a D-A-M-N. That had to be approved by the censors of that day. Just that one word. Just, just approve this one word. And look what has happened. The filth that has proceeded forth from that. The devil is so smart. He portrayed Jamie Farr's character as a joke, kind of a spoof, nothing to, to be taken seriously. He did the same thing in another show that ran during this same period. The show was called Soap. It ran from 1977 to 1981. And it was supposed to be a show that made fun of the Daytime soap operas, hence the name. But on that show, there was a character, Jody Dallas, played by Billy Crystal. At a time when homosexuality wasn't really discussed, at a time when it was viewed by the vast majority of the people in this country for what it is, an aberrant, abnormal, deviant lifestyle, 
Billy Crystal's portrayal of the first openly gay main character on primetime TV brought homosexuality right into the homes and the living rooms of hundreds of thousands of families in this country. It brought it right into the mainstream. And again, it was comedy. It wasn't something to be taken seriously. But his character preached a message. He wasn't some wild-eyed radical that was there at the Stonewall riots and, and fought police in Greenwich Village in New York City in 1969. No, the character was just sort of a normal, ordinary guy who, who just happened to be a homosexual. And after all, he was accepted by all of the heterosexuals around him on the show. And America watched it. And America took it in week after week for four years. But you see, the devil had a plan. He had a purpose behind Billy Crystal's character. It's no coincidence that after four years of weekly indoctrination that Jody Dallas was just a, a normal, everyday sort of guy who lived next door. He just happened to be a homosexual. Not deviant, not strange or weird. Nothing like that. It's no coincidence that in June of 1981, AIDS, acquired deficiency, immune deficiency syndrome, burst on the scene in this nation. June 16th, 1981, a 35-year-old homosexual male is the first person with AIDS to be admitted to the clinical center at the National Institutes of Health. He would remain there until he died on October the 28th. By the end of 1981, there were 337 reported cases, and the numbers were growing almost geometrically. And what was the cry in this country? What was the cry? Was it that the Bible is true? Was it that Romans 127 is true? And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly, and listen to these next words, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And that recompense of their error which was meet is AIDS. Notice in that verse the absolute perfection of the word of God. It is homosexual men who are receiving this recompense of their error which was made. This disease originated among homosexual men in New York City and California, among men who burned in their lust one toward another, among men with men who were working that which is unseemly. And it spread to women as they had sexual relations with bisexual men and it spread to children who were conceived as a result of these relations. AIDS spread into the blood supply. 
particularly in places where people were paid, and I guess maybe they still are, to donate blood. And that was such a problem that people who had surgeries in this period of time, if they had surgery scheduled and it was far enough out, they were advised... Uh, because they could need a blood transfusion afterward, after their surgery, they were encouraged to give their own blood ahead of time to prevent them from being exposed to AIDS. This was a full-blown crisis in this country. And what was the cry? Was the cry of this nation, we have sinned? was that this nation must return to the word of God, which we have not continued in? Was it let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon? Was the cry, we must stop promoting, we must stop portraying this lifestyle as harmless as normal on television, where the children of America can see it and be influenced by it. No, that wasn't the cry. The cry was, we need safe sex. The cry was for finding a cure. The cry was for finding a way for homosexuals to be able to continue to live the lifestyle that they wanted to live with consequences as limited as possible. And so this nation doubled down on the message and began to aim it even more directly at children. In 1989, Leslie, uh, Leslie Newman wrote a book called Heather Has Two Mommies. Heather Has Two Mommies. The purpose of the book was to portray this perversion of the family to be just as normal and just as natural as the family that God established in the beginning with a man and a woman, a father and a mother. 1997, Ellen DeGeneres came out on her, came out on her ABC sitcom. Literally, making her the first lesbian lead character on a U.S. network television show. It's in this same time frame that the battle over civil unions between same-sex couples began to become an issue in this country. There were states that wanted to legalize civil unions. There were states that wanted to pass laws that said uh, if two men are in a relationship or two women are in a relationship and, and one of them passes away, then the other one ought to receive the benefits that the other one was getting, if they were getting them. This battle got so heated that Congress passed a law, and interestingly enough, President Bill Clinton signed it. It was called the Defense of Marriage Act, 1996. And it banned federal recognition of same-sex marriage 
And it defined marriage as a legal union between one man and one woman as husband and wife. But that didn't end the battle. The devil was determined. In December of 1996, a Hawaiian state court made Hawaii the first state to recognize gay and lesbian couples as being entitled to the same privileges as heterosexual couples. December 1999, the Vermont Supreme Court ruled that gay and lesbian couples should be given the same rights as heterosexual couples. And in September of 2000, Vermont became the first state to introduce civil unions. And of course, we understood that civil unions were just a, a, a backdoor way of having same-sex marriage. Then as a result of court decisions, um, same-sex marriage became legal in Massachusetts and Connecticut and California and Iowa. But then there were other states who opposed same-sex marriage. And they didn't want to have to recognize unions from other states and so they felt that the way to combat that was to pass uh, constitutional amendments, add those to their state constitutions that would define marriage as being the union of one man and one woman only. There were 31 states in all that did it. Our own state was the last one to do it on May the 8th, 2012. It wasn't because we were trying. We had been going to Raleigh for six years, standing there in Halifax Mall, chanting, let us vote, let us vote. And the Democrat Party, Mr. Hackney was the Speaker of the House, never would even let a bill like that come to the floor. We changed the look of the legislature, and in 2012, we got that amendment added to our state constitution. We joined these other states, and if I remember correctly, the states who passed these amendments averaged something like 61% support for their amendments. But all this, in effect, was for naught. Because in June of 2015, the Supreme Court, in a five to four decision, ruled that same-sex marriage was to be legal in every state in this country. But that didn't end the promotion of this lifestyle. Walt Disney jumped in to give its full-throated support for homosexuality, with the first gay married couple in Zootopia in 2016, the first lesbian couple in a Pixar film in Finding Dory in 2016. Then there is the character of LeFou in the live-action remake of Beauty and the Beast in 2017, a homosexual. They were the first lesbians of color in the Pixar film, 
Toy Story 4 in 2019. The first same-sex kiss in Star Wars. The rise of Skywalker in 2019. Then there was the gay character McGregor in Disney's 2021 movie Jungle Cruise. And Artie and Cruella in 2021. The first gay Disney love song in High School Musical in 2021. Then there was the first same-sex kiss in the Pixar film Lightyear, 2022. The first openly gay teen romance in the feature Strange World in 2022. It was Disney that led the way against the Florida law that was trying to keep this kind of teaching out of the schools in Florida. But Disney's not alone. There's the family-friendly Hallmark Channel that openly promotes gay relationship, gay relationships in its programming. That includes its latest offering, Christmas on Cherry Lane. Features three couples that are going to experience the miracle of Christmas. What blasphemy. One of the couples is two homosexuals. And they're going to experience the miracle of Christmas by adopting a little girl to make their family complete. Now you may not agree But I believe it all began to a great degree with the character Jody Dallas, a harmless character, seemingly, that was played by Billy Crystal on soap. And yet, slowly and incrementally, because this nation did not continue in the Word of God, the word of God that says in Leviticus 18 and verse 22, thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. Satan moved this nation right along to acceptance of this very abomination. And he's done the same thing with transgenderism. It started as something funny on MASH. You know, a guy in a war zone in Korea wearing a dress, dressing as a woman in order to be, I think they call it Section 8, deemed unfit for military service so he could be discharged and sent home. Now look where we are. This is from the Washington Examiner. Transgender surgery is now free. For military. Taxpayers will now foot the bill for gender reassignment surgery for active military personnel and veterans, with some treatments costing upward of $200,000 under an executive order signed by President Biden. His executive order was followed by memos from Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin 
Veterans Affairs Secretary Dennis McDonough, specifically stating that surgery is now an added benefit. What a sense of irony the devil has. Here is this character in this show and MASH dresses as a transvestite and 40 some years later it's the military of this nation that says we'll pay for active duty military personnel and, and retired military personnel who want to have gender-affirming surgery. There, there's so much that we could talk about here, but I want to mention three things that are, I think, illustrative of what has taken place in this country, um, particularly in the public schools of this nation. And, and they're examples of just how far this transgender ide ideology has advanced. It's advanced to the point that our Republican-led legislature, and I thank the Lord for them. I get frustrated with them sometimes, just like you do. But I'm grateful for a number of things that they did in this legislative session. They passed laws to protect the young people of this state. And I want you to make a mental note, and you know it, but I want you to make a note and not forget that it's the Democrat Party and it's the states and the cities that they control that are promoting the very things that we're going to mention. The first one is the Parents' Bill of Rights. It was vetoed by Governor Cooper, but it was overridden by the Republican majority, as all three of these bills that we're going to mention were. The Parents' Bill of Rights keeps parents from being excluded from decisions concerning their child's health, concerning their child's welfare, concerning their child's education. The education, educational establishment is trying to ice parents out because they believe that children belong to the state. Children belong to the state. And the information that I'm going to give you on all of these bills came from a summary by the North Carolina Family Organization. But the Parents' Bill of Rights keeps K-4 curriculum, K through fourth grade curriculum, free of sex education and gender ideology and informs parents if their child requests to be referred to by a different name or different pronouns at school. 47 Democrats in our state house, 18 Democrats in our state senate, and the governor opposed this bill. How could you oppose that? And in connection with this, there, um, a couple of people sent me an article 
and it was in the Daily Signal, that's the Heritage, one of the Heritage Foundation's publications. And it reported that an 11-year-old girl in the Jefferson County Public Schools in Colorado, they went on a field trip. Um, don't get any ideas, young people. They went on a field trip from Colorado to Philadelphia. And this 11-year-old girl was assigned to share a bed with a male student who identifies as a transgender. And this was apparently this, this male student who identifies as a girl. It was okay for the school district as far as they were concerned. Their policy, as best as they can make happen, is to room students based on their gender identity rather than their biological sex. And as bad as this is, as bad as this is, the saddest thing to me is that these, the parents of this 11-year-old girl, another article identified them as Christian. And that article was saying how they are calling on the public school system to provide answers and clarification of the, the policies related to these children who identify as transgender. Why? Because they want to make sure that their two younger children are not put in the same situation that their older daughter was. Folks, I have a solution for that problem. Take your kids out of public school. Very simple solution to the problem. Apparently... That never entered these parents' minds. The idea that they might remove their children from the public schools not even mentioned as a possibility. This, listen, this is how deeply, and it's, it's one of the sad facts of the last days here in America, that is how deeply the public school system is entrenched in the church in this country. The next bill that was passed into law was the Fairness in Women's Sports Act. And that bill simply says that middle school, high school, college sports teams are to be um, designated as male, female, or co-ed. And participation at every level, is going to be based on biological sex. I mean, let's think about it. This is common sense. The, the whole point of separating male and female sports teams is because of the biological differences in, in strength and athletic ability between men and women. The government has a whole... Civil Rights Title IX Act that was supposed to do that. 
It made it to where colleges and universities had to give the same support to women's sports as they did to men's sports. North Carolina family goes on to point out the need not only to protect the fairness of women's sports, but the, the safety of them. Riley Gaines was a swimmer. She's spent a lot of time going around the country trying to raise awareness of what's taking place in women's sports. But she and her two teammates, I believe, at the University of Pennsylvania, I could be wrong about that, but she and her teammates were forced to share a locker room with a biological male swimmer. He had taken the name of Mia Thomas. Wasn't much of a male swimmer. The boy, when he jumped in the pool and competed against the women, he could flat win them championships. Another young lady, Peyton McNabb, suffered lasting injuries. She was uh, a volleyball player. And she suffered lasting injuries when a transgender identifying biological male on the opposite volleyball team spiked a ball so hard it hit her in the head and she was injured. Well, now this law protects the health and the safety and the fairness of women's sports. I hope it's enforced. On that count, 45 Democrats in the State House, 18 in the State Senate, and our governor oppose this law. The final bill is gender transition for minors. It has three major parts. It prevents minors from receiving gender transition procedures, including puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and gender transition surgeries. It provides conscience protections for health care providers who don't wish to take part in, in these uh, gender transition, um, the puberty blockers and the, and the surgeries and all of these kinds of things. They're experimental procedures. We don't have time. I, I had a number of articles of, of uh, men and women who have had these surgeries and their testimonies of how it ruined their lives. And finally, that bill prevents taxpayer dollars from paying for transgender procedures. 45 Democrats in the State House, 18 Democrats in the State Senate, and Governor Cooper opposed this bill. Folks, that tells us something, I believe. The Democrat Party in this country stands against marriage, traditional marriage. They stand against the God-ordained family. And they stand against, in spite of all their words, they stand against the safety and the well-being of children as they promote this transgender agenda at every, every level of government. And why is it? Think about this. When you and I were growing up, some of you here are in the general range of my age, 
But even if you're not, if you're younger, if you're in your 40s or 50s, you remember a day in this country when these kind of things were not even thought about or heard of. Why is it now that laws like this are necessary? Why are they necessary? Because this nation has not continued in the word of God. We haven't continued in this verse right here. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. And what began in 1977 with a cross-dressing army corporal, Max Klinger, oh, he was such a funny guy. Uh, no harm. I mean, it's just... Come on, it's just a little irreverent humor. But look where it's led. Exactly where the devil wanted it to go. The complete and total promotion and indoctrination of the people, of the children of this nation. And not just as it relates to cross-dressing and transvestism, it's led to changing their sexual identity. This verse, God is saying a man is not to identify as a woman. And a woman is not to identify as a man. But that's where we've gone. People to change their sexual identity so that men can identify as women and women identify as men and, and do it through drugs or hormones or surgeries that mutilate the body. And don't do anything but ultimately create mental health crises in the lives of those who go down this road. So what are we to do? What are we to do? This morning we were talking about Issachar. And how he couched down between two burdens. And... There's a number of applications that you can make from Genesis 49, verses 14 and 15. And I'd like to make another of application of it tonight, if you'll allow me. The people of God in this nation are couched between two burdens tonight. One is the burden of the Lord. The burden of the Lord when you think about that, it consists of the Word of God written, the written faith which was once delivered to the saints, the King James Bible, and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And the manifestation of the testimony of Jesus Christ here in this world is the church of the living God which Paul told Timothy is the pillar and ground of the truth. That's the burden of the Lord. And the other burden is the, is the burden of rest, the burden of a pleasant land where there are no battles, where there is no conflict. The burden there is the, the, the way to go about attaining rest and attaining and keeping this pleasant land. The way to get there is for the church to compromise. 
to compromise. And what's happened to the church of Jesus Christ in these last days is that it has bowed its shoulder to bear, just like Issachar did. The church has chosen rest and pleasantness and compromise. You know, Jesus said, judge not that ye be not judged. So we don't want to judge somebody else's lifestyle. Who are we? It may be wrong for us, but that doesn't make it wrong for someone else. That's the kind of ideology that we have in churches today. And the result is not that just churches. The result is that this nation, this nation is becoming a servant unto tribute. We're losing our freedom because as the church of Jesus Christ goes, so goes the nation. Folks, we don't need to couch down and lay between these two burdens. We don't need to see that rest is good. We can rest when we get to glory. We don't need to look out and see a pleasant land and, and want nothing to do with war and conflict. We don't need to bow our shoulder and spread out and stretch out and get comfortable here in the world and become servants unto tribute. Become servants unto compromise and sin. We need to stand. And we need to bear our shoulder the strength, the spiritual strength that we have. We need to bear our shoulder and bear the burden of the Lord in these last days. May the Lord help us to do that by His grace. Through His strength. His strength is made perfect in weakness. We talked about that this morning. May the Lord help us to do that. May he help us to honor him and stand for him. No matter what it costs in these last days. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for um, your word. What an amazing book this is. And Father, we pray that you would help this church. Help this church to bear your burden. Not to ever turn away to the, the burden that the world wants us to carry. We pray that we would be faithful to carry your burden until you come, that you would find us faithful. As Brother Jed prayed earlier, that we would be able to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.